Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Welcome back, fellow nerds, to Digital Dissection. Today we are excited to welcome an actor we've gladly followed since 1997. Not only has he found success in entertainment, but also as a food critic and journalist for the Arizona Republic. You can find him in the point-and-click adventure, Lucy Dreaming, as well as, of course, the voice of Guybrush Threepwood, Mighty Pirate, and Return to Monkey Island. We welcome Dominic Armado. How are we doing? I'm doing all right. How's it going? Oh, I'm, I'm in a very good mood. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> doing okay doing okay just kind of chilling you know the uh the initial uh the initial hubbub has sort of died down a little bit now so now it's kind of you know just kind of quietly enjoying everything and you know fingers crossed maybe there'll be a little some some nice nice things said about us at the end of the year we'll see we'll see fingers crossed. <laughs> you know i have a is feeling there, is there a good yeah. is there a good sense of relief that you no longer have to try and keep uh conversation with the game to a minimum or Oh, very much so. I mean, it, well, yeah. once the hard part, it, it, not talking about the game itself from the time it was announced until the release, that was not a problem. That was, that was, that was, that was easy and fun. Not keeping the fact that the game existed a secret. That was, that's, uh, that was tough. And, and it was easy for me because for me, it was just a few months, but for, I, you know, well, more than a few months, I suppose it was, what was it? October through uh, whenever, what was it? June? May, June? Why can't I remember now? Um, but um, but for the rest of the crew, oh my gosh! I mean, you know, they kept the thing under wrap for what two and a half years, yeah. just insanity. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't envy them that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there, there's a, a well kept secret to the folks that don't watch the video version of this program. And tonight we're also joined, of course, by Joe Vinipal, my my fellow host, and those of <clears> you who have watched the show before would recognize my older brother, Nate, who chooses not to use his last name despite being able to find it right next to mine. But hey, whatever, that, that's just how things go. Nate, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. I, I, I'm the one that got to introduce you to Monkey Island originally that uh, mm-hmm. I found in that the corner of that uh, school computer lab as part of the Macintosh sampler that they purchased. I uh, got to play it for a good solid two weeks before my mom volunteered and uh, said that she didn't think it was educational. So uh, <laughs> to my mom out there, uh, thanks for nothing. Thanks, Nate's yeah. mom. Yeah. And a little known fact about Mark and Nate is they actually argue over the E in their last name, whether being silent or actually pronounced. So oh. Wait, the first one or the second? Because there's, there's, oh, the there's second two. One. Okay. Okay. Well, Dom, of course, as we, as you heard a little bit in the, the early part of the show, yeah, Nate and I have, have, bonded over the secret of monkey island the whole series and so getting to meet you is absolutely a privilege we do thank you quite a bit for being here but oh, i'm happy to i yeah, it, it is it is seriously a pleasure i mean this this happens so infrequently that it's always it's always nice to get out and hang out and chat with everybody How is that I, I, you know, I sit here and twiddle my thumbs for seven or ten years or whatever it is and uh, <laughs> just wait for the next one to to swing by 
<laughs> so no, it's it's nice for it's 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 nice for me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, we just you know it's it's crazy to be able to get to connect with the folks that help craft these experiences that we've been living for decades, you know. And so that's a big reason why we're just happy to have you. And what we like to do on our show though is introduce our listeners if they're not familiar. Now, I really feel bad for the folks who aren't familiar with you, but we wanted to understand a little bit about your journey before acting and to understand a little bit about Ooh. yes okay yes the the, the dom it's from... not much journey before acting that, that started out pretty early on but 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 do go on <laughs> well <laughs> i only say it because i part of me wanted to start off this conversation like full on northern midwestern on you and just see how much of it you could stand because <laughs> i'm i'm from you know i'm from wisconsin that's where we're calling you from okay okay all right yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're asking me if I can, you want me to bring to Chicago in response, I can do that. I mean, you know, you want to throw down, I can throw down. Unfortunately, it's just it, it, it never ends. But uh, we're not going to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I only mention it based off of familiarity because one of my old jobs took me like basically to your hometown several times. I had a client down there at one point. Yeah. And so I always wanted to ask you about your your time you know, in Illinois, as you mentioned, it, it was, you know, a fairly, um, I don't want to call it a short trip, but, you know, uh, either way, I just want to understand about how that started, how you, how you began in, in Illinois. Uh, I was, I mean, I was living in, uh, uh, um, you were living in Chicago and then a little bit later in the North suburbs when I was a kid. And, uh, and I just, I, I have no idea where it came from. I mean, I was young, you know, and I thought it'd be cool to be an actor, you know, do, do television, do movies, whatever. I thought it'd be fun. And, um, I think the first thing I did was uh, the very first thing I did was uh, um, I was in the children's chorus at uh, Lyric Opera. And uh, that one was an easy sell because um, my father was a big opera nut. So so uh, so the first thing I did was uh, I was in the children's chorus in Carmen, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who, which was starring uh, Placido Domingo um, before uh, before all of that ugliness. Um, but um, but uh, who was who was literally his favorite singer on the planet at the time. Um, and, uh, and, uh, they were looking for volunteers to, you know, watch the kids. Cause the kids are basically, I was, I was on stage when the curtain went up and then the entire children's chorus is basically on stage when the curtain goes down. And in between there's like three and a half, four hours where they have to wrangle all these kids. Um, so they were looking for chaperones and he said, I will, I will help chaperone on one condition. And that condition is, uh, when he sings at the, you know, towards the end of the fourth act. I want to go downstairs and watch every night. And they were like, that's fine. So he would do that. He'd sit like just outside of the sight lines, like maybe 15 feet from Domingo every single night. And like, that was payment. He was like, I'm good. This is like the greatest thing in the world. So, um, but yeah, so I did that. So that was the easy sell. And, uh, and I wanted to do, you know, on camera stuff. And, uh, and uh, my folks were, were, were kind enough to indulge that. Um, and, you know, just auditioned for a bunch of stuff as a kid, you know, some theater roles, you know, some television. I never really did much television. did a little bit here and there, but not so much. Um, but the voiceover just kind of came out of nowhere. It was, the, it was an agency that I was with when I was, I think, seven years old, um, maybe eight, something, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, they had a, a one-person voiceover department um, who just got to know me from, you know, going in and out of the office and seeing people. And she said, you want to do some voiceover? And I was like, okay. Uh, and they sent me on a, an audition for a commercial for Cherry Switzer, television commercial, the, uh, the red licorice. And I nailed the first one they sent me on. And it just went from there. So, uh, so yeah, so I've just, I mean, I've been doing off and on, obviously, I mean, there've been stretches where I really wasn't doing much, but I've been doing voiceover off and on since I was, I think seven years old. So mm-hmm. now, sort of, not a whole lot of build up to it. It's like, you know, I just kind of always did it. So, 
So it's yeah. weird to me now that it's such a huge yeah. thing because for so many years it was, you know, that, 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 that geeky little thing that nobody even knew about. Um, and now it's like, I I'll pop on Twitter and I see voice actors trending and it's like, what, what, what world is this now that, you know, even, even after, you know, I've spent like the last 10 years sort of on the sidelines and it's like, even in that 10 years, it's just, it's amazing. The, 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 the change, um, you know, how, how, how visible, how conscious people are of voices as compared to how they were, you know, when I was getting into the business. So it's, it's, um, it, it is, it is, you know, it has its upsides and downsides like anything else. Right. You know I mean? It's wonderful that, uh, that the actors are getting their recognition. Um, from a professional standpoint, it was probably a little better personally when it was, you know, a little secret that not everybody knew about, you know, but that's okay. It's cool. Yeah, see, that's, well, that's a very sharp contrast to a lot of the other guests we've had in the show who like grew up watching cartoons and uh, playing games. And that's how they kind of got the, the hopes and aspirations of becoming a voice actor or an actor in general. And then they, they got there eventually, but you seem to have jumped in right away at seven. Yeah. And at the time I wasn't even thinking about, you know, games or animation or anything like that at the time. It was, I mean, it wasn't thinking about it at all. They were Chicago at the time. You couldn't really do anything in terms of interactive or character work. It was really just, it was, it was just commercial and industrial. That's it. And that's what I did. Like, you know, off when I was a kid and through my teens and all that, when I moved out to California um, when I was uh, 18 or 19, um, that was cause I was interested and I wanted to do the character work and I, I, I wanted to pursue that, but, um, but that's, you know, that wasn't even on my radar at all. So, uh, so yeah. And it's funny too, cause I moved out to LA in 95 and I remember that was like the late nineties was when, was when all of a sudden voiceover became a thing. And I think it probably was because of the Disney movies when they started mm-hmm. casting, they went from casting sort of, I don't want to say unknowns. They were all people who, um, you know, had done good work and were known within the industry, but they weren't like, you know, the stars of, uh, of, uh, of the early Disney Renaissance films were not household names. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, you know, you get into Aladdin and you get into Lion King and all of a sudden it's that litany of, you know, megastars. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, this is the thing you can do. Um, but I remember like in 95, I moved to California and everyone was like, I'd say I do voiceover and they'd say, what's that? And then like three years later, I'd say, I do voiceover. And they say, oh, I've heard that's good work. And then by the time I left in 2001, I'd say, I do voiceover. They're like, oh, yeah, I got my demo. I'm working on that right now. My agent's going to start sending me out for auditions. So I felt like that was exactly the window when, uh, when all of a sudden the secret got out, at least, at least in California. So mm-hmm. It seems to have been uh, even like popularized even more just over COVID because we've seen a bunch of we've talked to several several actors and voice actors as well who have kind of gone through this journey over the last you know two or three years and i I didn't know if part of that push maybe inspired you to want to get back into it or if it was a a different factor as you mentioned because there's a little bit of gap in there well i mean i think that i think what and and i i I should clarify here that you know i'm in some ways you know i've been doing i've been doing this since i was a little kid but in some ways i'm almost a semi outsider now because I've been on the sidelines for the last 10, 12 years. Um, and it, it's interesting to me because, um, you know, I, th- my, the impression that I get from speaking to people is that, uh, what, what COVID did more than anything is that, you know, all of a sudden, uh, it opened it up to so many more people than it was available to before then. Um, you know, I remember when I left California in 2001, it was like for character very sober, I, I fell off the face of the planet. You know, I mean, I'd made a lot of good contacts there and I'd done, I'd done okay for myself. I was supporting myself, which is more than I could say for a lot of other actor friends who were living in LA at the time, you know? Um, but, um, but as soon as I left LA, it was like, you know, it's like, yeah, I never heard from anybody ever again. 
Um, but but it's different now, I think, because a lot of the, everybody, you know, just started recording from home and it sort of became like, hey, we can do this and it's not that hard and it works most of the time. So so I think that's been I think it's been great for, uh, you know, I hear stories from uh, some actors who are in smaller markets, you know, who normally would just never even be able to touch a lot of stuff. Um, but now there it's it's uh, it's a much more certainly a more level playing field is the impression I get um, for my end. I mean, I, I kind of when I fell out of it, uh, you know, back around 2007 or eight, gosh, it's only 15 years, really. I mean, I did the I did the the, the remakes of uh, Monkey Island did 2010, 9, 10, 11 in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I hadn't been actively auditioning or anything since 2007. And, um, uh, and it wasn't on purpose. It just kind of happened, you know, life happenstance. And I, you know, kind of thought about it here and there over the years, but, you know, by that point, it's like, now I'm living in Phoenix. It's not one of the, I mean, it's a big city, but it's not one of the old classic major markets. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, how do I, like, people are asking me, how do I get into voiceover? I'm like, I don't know if you figure it out, you tell me, cause I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, so, so so yeah, I mean, in some ways it was, it was, I don't know, it was COVID specific. It was certainly Monkey Island that was sort of like, okay, I've been thinking about this for years. I'd love to do it. And it seems like a good opportunity. So, you know, I mean, if I had my stuff together, I'd already have a demo and I would have been plugging that like the second Monkey Island was released. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I got a family to take care of and other things. So, you know, I'll get around to it at some point and hopefully people will still remember me by then. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly we still do. And well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <We're hiring. laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I, I'm in tech myself and we're getting killed right now. So as much as I would love Ooh. to hire you, uh, it's just right now it's not going to happen. But I'll keep note of that, though, Dime. I will. I'm a union guy. I'm a union guy. It's got to be a union guy. <laughs> oh, that's right. I actually remember that because it wasn't Lucy dreaming it, it, uh -huh. at, first, it, at first wasn't a union job and then it became oh, those one poor, right? poor people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, they, I think they had, I think they had, I, I think they had no idea what they were getting into. Cause like, and this was, this has happened over the years. I mean, there've been many, many times. Yeah. I, I've been, you know, since I've been doing it since I was a little kid, I've been sag after since I was, since before they were sag after since they were, you know, two separate entities. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, that's happened many times over the years, you know, some little independent developer, somebody who's making their own adventure game and they'll drop me a line and they'll say, Hey, you know, would you like to be in my adventure game? And I would often, I, I would love to. And, and genuinely I would, you know, I, I think it's cool. I think it's great. I love it. You know, to be able to help out some, somebody who's kind of getting on their feet and, and learning the business and all that kind of stuff. I would love to help out. It's no big deal for me to, to do that. But I'm also the kind of person where I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a rule breaker, you know, and it's like, it's like, but I'm not supposed to do anything that isn't a union gig. And like, I don't really think I'm going to get in trouble, but even so I just, you know, it's sort of like, I, I, you know, that's the deal you join and you say you're only going to do union work. So that's it. So I'm going to, I'm going to stand by my commitments. And, and I would always tell them, I'd say, Hey, if you, I know it can be done. I honestly have no idea how it works, you know, to what it's like for an indie to become a uh, SAG after signatory. Um, so this has happened many times over the years. I tell them, hey, if you if you sign on as a signatory, great, I'm in, you know, just let me know. Um, and of course, historically, that has always been the last time I ever heard from them. Um, and uh, except with Lucy Dreaming. So with Lucy Dreaming, I told him the same thing. I told him, it looks great. You know, I, I looked at, you know, some of, some, of, some of Tom's other stuff. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. He makes some nice, he does some nice work and it really be nice to help him out. Seems like a really cool guy. And, uh, and I said, but you know, I got this thing. So if you can make it a SAG after gig, I'm totally in. And, uh, and he said, okay. And then he goes off and maybe like six or eight months later, I get an email back and it says, we did it. We're done. You're in. Is an after signatory. It's like, you said, you're still going to do it. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to do it. I, mean, I told you I would. I think, I think he was worried that at that point I was going to back out. But it's like, no, no, I'm going, I'm good to my word. My word is my bond. Yeah. Um, 
so uh so yeah but it sounds like i feel so so sorry for emma because it sounds like this is why who, who who did the paperwork for sagraftra and it sounds like it was a nightmare an absolute horrendous nightmare <laughs> now i have i am i am laden with guilt over having centered down this rabbit hole of uh of uh, of, of awful paperwork so but but it seems to have worked out okay because because uh, they actually asked me to do that game before i learned about monkey island um oh, so wow. i had no i had no idea yeah just the timing of it was hilarious so in between in between when they asked me and when they told me yes we're now sag aftra is when I learned about Monkey Island. And of course, I couldn't tell them at the time. And then, of course, then as soon as it was announced, I feel like it's like, hey, guess what? Bonus. <laughs> yeah. So I think I feel like that probably I feel like that probably worked out pretty well for them. So so it was nice, too, because I had a lot of people watching me and I got the, you know, like, hey, also check out, you know, Lucy Dreaming. These awesome people are doing this cool game. So check them out, too. So I think it worked out nicely for everybody. See, unfortunately, our journey was a lot simpler because you just told me, hey, go check in with the guys at Devolver and just make sure that we have their blessing. Yeah, and, basically. And, and, <laughs> unfortunately, we got that pretty quick. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It was a much shorter process. Um, well, I, I, I was the bigger holdup there just because I just because I've been buried stuff. And that's that's my fault. I apologize. But uh, but no, I'm glad this I'm glad this worked out. And so, yeah, yeah, no, they were there. Those guys, the guys at Devolver are pretty cool. Um, but it was just, you know, again, it's I, you know, they said, hey, you know, we need everything to go through us. I'm like, OK, you know, you, you can tell I tend to color within the lines in this sort of scenario. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's got to go through I, I guess you, you would know plenty about voodoo just based on the Monkey Island series and how you don't want that kind of hex on yourself. And no, so... no, I, no, I do not. Yeah. I do not. <laughs> it's the old Ghostbusters yeah. policy, right, Mark? The yes. old Ghostbusters as long as it's steady paycheck and I'll do anything yeah. you say, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, hey, mm -hmm. speaking of steady paycheck, we were going to kind of go through maybe the non-video game stuff first for a second because sure. your your love of food is something that, frankly, everyone on this call, I think, reciprocates in some way. And so the, the idea of bonding through food or maybe gaining an understanding of your own family and history, heritage through food, yeah. um, that's, that's something that Nate and I hold pretty dear to our hearts because our, our mom's Filipino, yeah. a lot of, lot of interesting things. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, so if, if I'm remembering this correctly, you had mentioned in previous interviews that you would travel back to Italy and, and get to sample some of the authentic dishes there. Mm-hmm. Is that where everything kind of started with your love of food or did it happen before that? I, where I, I mean, I mean, I grew up in a pretty, in a pretty adventurous food family, you know, I mean, there's certainly, obviously there's, there's, there's the hardcore Italian history. Um, and, and I got, and I got that coming from both sides. Um, and it was nice. I got a little bit of a mix because, uh, because my dad's side tended towards the more traditional stuff. And my mom's side was, you know, like the full on red sauce money guts, you know, the whole that that whole thing. They were more typical of West Side Chicago Italians. So um, so 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 I kind of got that coming from both sides. And and uh, and uh, and my dad was very much into cooking um, and big time cooking uh, and uh, very much into, you know, international foods and exploring restaurants and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, before it was cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, go, go, like, we'd be going out for Thai food to give you a sense of this. Like when he was taking me out for Thai food, we'd go for Thai food. They, people would say, where'd you go? We go to a Thai restaurant. They say, oh, you mean food from Taiwan? It's like, no, 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 not from Taiwan. No. no foremost in food. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which also excellent, but not what we're talking about here. Um, so, uh, so I mean, that was always kind of there in the background, but where, but where I ended up kind of getting nuts about it was when I came I came back to Chicago after being in LA for about six years, came back in 2001. And, um, 
And I was doing, I was helping up my father with his business, which involved a lot of travel. Um, we were, we were overseas constantly. It was, if I was in, if I was in the country for three weeks, that was like a long stretch to be home. So there was a stretch of about five or six years where I was going to Southern China, probably five or six times a year and going to Japan once or twice a year, and then going to Europe between Italy, France, Germany, um, a little bit in the UK for, uh, we were there two or three times a year as well. So it was, I mean, it was just tons and tons of international travel. And of course, you know, we were food family, we're geeking out on this stuff and going to all these fantastic restaurants. And, uh, and, and then simultaneously, I got into this um, really geek community food board in Chicago called LTH Forum that was like one of these, it was like one of those moments where there was, it was like a happening. It was like this group got together and it just happened to be the core group. There happened to be just tremendously knowledgeable and, and, and just absolute maniacs about how, how frustrated they were that at the time, you know, the mainstream food media was very much about those very big, you know, uh, big dollar PR heavy, you know, creative white dude chef, you know, there's anything wrong with those kinds of restaurants. Those are great too. But like, that was it. That was what got all the coverage. And they're like, you know, we're here in Chicago that has, you know, all these incredible, you know, all these incredible international neighborhoods and restaurants that go along with it that get, you know, it's like occasionally one of them might get a little few inches of a column with, you know, a spoon rating or something like that. It's like, this is just, this is deep injustice. Um, So, so this, this was their thing, you know, and like this group had one guy who was from, uh, from Tampa who just like knew all the Latin food inside and out. And this one guy who had spent years traveling through Thailand. And there was another guy who actually was literally, he literally held a doctorate. It was, it was a PhD of, uh, of Italian culinary history. Who was a part of it. I mean, it was, it was, this group was hardcore and, and, and they were, and they were no holds barred. It was like, it was just, you'd get in there and you'd, beat each other up and argue about stuff and like it would get nasty and you yell at each other and then you kind of calm down and say like okay let's go get some lunch you know and then you go off and have meals together and it was just a great group and i learned more in two years of hanging out in that forum than anywhere else ever um and that was sort of like the that was where it really took off and i just kept being nerdy about it from about 2004 2005 on uh, yeah. That was a very long explanation. I apologize, but yeah, no. So, so, so yeah. And then that, then, then that kind of, I accidentally fell backwards into doing it professionally too later on. So, yeah. so that was an accident too. So my, my question, oh, I got a quick question here. Yeah. When did you lose the long hair? Cause I've got this photo of you here. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's the one my sister refers to as the Fabio picture. Yeah. I was, I think I was 18 in that photo. That was right after I moved to LA. That was the first the first set of headshots I got in LA. Yeah, and that's still yeah. when you could not believe it wasn't butter, right? Isn't yeah, I know. Right. Things still went back then. <laughs> I have never <laughs> taken photos that looked that nice. So I saw that I said I got to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's it's still hanging out there. Yeah, every time we go for a search, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, that was a See, good shot. Oh, well. Nate did the same thing to embarrass Danny Woodburn of Seinfeld fame when we were kind of going through, like walking through some of his earlier. <laughs> earlier work and nate busts out these photos of him from like murder she wrote where he's got like a mullet going on and i'm just like oh god every person we talk to now i'm just worried there's going to be a photo that shows up now where it's like how much blushing are we yeah. going to have today you know? there's, there's, there's photos photo of me on the cover of usa yeah. today that are worse than that, so you know. they put the photo up again for, the photo for again oh yeah yeah sure yeah all right they got me at a football game once don't worry that's worse than this this, kids, is, this is good don't get old. this is what happens yeah. don't get old <laughs> Just, just stay there. <laughs> Good place to be. 
fine fine photo fine photo you know <laughs> the, the the question i was going to go to rather than trying to uh make you regret headshots oh no it's fine it's all good <laughs> i will never forget that session too because the guy who did that session he was a phenomenal photographer um tremendously weird dude who i liked a lot but what he would do this is the weirdest thing like he would you'd be he'd be taking photos of you and then he decided that something wasn't right and he would do this. He would kind of look like this at you, and then he'd look like this, and then he'd do this. He'd go. And then he'd go back and take more photos. He'd get like that close <laughs> and then back up and start taking photos. And it's like I just... personal space guy. <laughs> like maybe, maybe give me a maybe a foot, like literally an inch and a half away from my nose. It's like, whoa, okay. Whoa. Hi, good to meet you. I feel like that's what cats right, do. Anyway, yeah, cats do that. I didn't know photographers did. That's that's brand new to me. We, you always kind of know, like on an actor or something, they always try to make it so that you're as prestigious as whatever movie they associate with you when they write a news article about you. So there you know, we go. Like, yeah, the, this actor. So when we ever ref, when Mark and I personally refer to somebody, it's always by like the least popular, most obscure movie possible. Oh yeah, right. You know, like if it was like Nicholas Nick, 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 Cage, it'd be like the Gone in sixty seconds star. You know, something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or like Attack of the Clones. When you're talking about Star Wars, we usually go straight there. <laughs> Always. There you go. <laughs> it's weird I, when you start having that when you when it gets to that point where you're like there's stuff that you've been in that you forgot about, and like someone brings it up, you're like, oh yeah, I totally forgot that even existed. <laughs> so I know there's a few of those hiding in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I was. I actually went, went back a little while ago and saw that you were actually in like the episode one racer game. Yes. Yeah. The first, the the first two pod racer games for, I don't know if it was in the arcade version or just the console version N 64. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which oddly enough, I spent a ton of time with that game, like for the games that, yeah, I I played the the hell out of that game. (laughs) Uh, And the same goes for um, uh, Jedi Knight Two, a Jedi outcast. Like Nate and I played that a ton as well. And uh, we cheated so... to get the code where they cut all the hands off, you know, and everything. You can throw the saber <laughs> around, everyone just kind of like nice. you just chop it up like this, and there's just a bunch of limbs on the ground. Yeah. There was there was a good stretch there right after Monkey Island, where the the guy who was the voice director at the time, Daro Farrell. Um, he just he just like kept you know whenever he had another Star Wars game, it was like you know you need lots of robots and aliens and Tie Fighter pilots mm-hmm. and whatever. So he'd always bring me in to do a couple of those every time there was a new game. So, so yeah. So for, for a good stretch there, like four or five years, I've, you know, I've got some little, some little snippets here and there and all those games, which is fun. He's, he's just sitting there going, I need an actor who understands the binary language of moisture evaporators or what moisture evaporators. Yeah, and exactly. You're at the top of the list. Naturally. There was, there was, this, there was one session. Yeah. And it was funny too. Cause like there was this one session. Um, it was, I think I want to say it was when we were recording um, escape from monkey Island, I think, cause I knew him pretty well at that point. And it was one of the other games they were working on, and they needed aliens. And he was like, we need a bunch of cantina aliens. He's like, you want to do some cantina aliens? I'm like, yeah, I want to do cantina aliens. Who doesn't want to do cantina aliens? Um, so he says, I got a reference tape. He says, why don't you take this home tonight and uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, you know, see what you can do. And uh, let's lay down some cantina aliens for the other game. You know, I'm like, all right, great, sure, no problem. And, and I go home, and I listen to this tape. And then I come back in the next morning, I'm like, Dara, I'm like, I don't think most of these sounds were made by animals much less human animals i'm like i mean <laughs> i can i mean <laughs> these i i like to think that i have a decent amount of range but i don't think humans can do like 70 percent of these aliens you're looking for here but so how about we just do some cool weird sound and alien stuff and you figure it out he's like yeah that'll work so 
Yeah. But yeah, it was like, you know, all sorts of mechanical noises and stuff. I'm like, they gave you this as a reference for voice actors? No problem. Sure, I can be a punch press. <laughs> I can just Weird. I can just see you now, like taking notes, like you're sitting there in like an industrial warehouse and you know, you've got your you got your tape and, and like a notepad and you're just listening in, you're like, Oh yeah, I think I can make that hydraulic noise. I've 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 got it. I've almost got it. Method acting. Oh, yeah, I'm, hanging Alan. I'm hanging out in some factory somewhere, you know, I'm trying to be one with the, you know, sitting on Alan Tudyk yeah. from, uh, you know, Firefly and everything else. He's been made a, a recent career of doing animal noises. So it's you know, true. The market. Oh, is really? There. That's I mean, that's cool. Yeah. He's like Anytime... the chicken for Moana. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh, like a... not... so that's like the specialty. He just does the animals. Yeah. He's like he a chicken in, in, uh, in, um, in Kanto. And yeah. Well, see that and like Ryan, the last dragon, I think he's like this giant, like roly poly, like, animal thing so but are these like humanoid animal voices or like animal animal no voices? no um, animal animal voices. animal animal voices also yeah. an odd flex to, to pick like a like a bigger name actor like alan tudyk like we just need chicken noises can you do that <laughs> yeah i can, can. but yeah. you know you, you probably have those recorded somewhere that are just like stock well yeah we, we can do that but, but, but they're not suited to the scene though they're yeah. not just the right reaction when <laughs> you need your chicken to have just the right reaction <laughs> and you know, and everyone laughs. But you know what? If that's the case, if he's done, I was not familiar with this. But you know what? He probably works like nonstop doing that because, like, that's the sort of thing that one of those niches where if you make a name for that, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, guess what? You're the uh, you're the animal sound guy. And next thing you know, people are always ringing up. Oh yeah, call him. He's the guy. But here's the question I have, Dom. Like when yeah. when some actors try to get into the the scope of the character, yeah. oftentimes you're not even handed a bible. Sometimes you're just given like a photo of the character. And I, I think even you've done this before. Like you see a, a character on paper and you go, okay, I think I know what that sound's going to be. But when you're presented with an animal that's not like a standard one and of a different universe, wh where does the journey begin for you if you had to do something I, I, like that? I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think if I've ever, I know I have done a couple of animals, but I think they were incidental. I don't think I've ever auditioned to be an animal or at least <laughs> never auditioned to be a non humanoid speaking animal i've auditioned to be plenty of speaking animals but um but i don't think i've ever like i've never okay quack like a duck i don't think that's ever been a thing because usually that's the sort of thing usually that's the sort of thing where it's like okay we got so-and-so in the booth and they've done two of the three voices we get oh we need some duck sounds you know you want to do some ducks sure go for it that's I, that's generally in my experience how it's how that's how i've done those is you know I think in Escape, there was a duck, right? Dar, Dar was like, hey, we need a duck. Can you use some duck lines? I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do some duck lines. So, you know, <laughs> I think that's typically how those get done. I, I didn't realize they did the casting calls for those. But, yeah, uh, but again, I've been a little out of the loop for a while, so maybe this is a thing now. I was going to say, otherwise known on IMDb as additional voices. It usually yes. goes right behind mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the main character voice. So Additional voices by, exactly, all those little random bits and squawks and chirps and whatever, I guess. <laughs> Well, before we get too far away from it, I did want to ask you a very specific question about sure. some of this forum experience and, and becoming like a food nerd, essentially. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about the story of Grace Garden because oh. it, 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 it was a very personal one that kind of struck me a bit because of uh, some restaurants that we've come into contact with over the years because we moved around a lot, too. We were a military yeah. family. And so, yeah, I wanted to have you tell the story of Grace Garden for, for our listeners here. This Grace Garden, this was sort of like this became like my rallying cry when I got to Phoenix because we, we were in Baltimore for a couple of years, spent like five months in Boston and then over to Phoenix. Um, and like that was that was like for me, that was like the, the, the little 
food nerd, you know, community forum geeks dream, right? Um, because when we moved to Baltimore, um, my wife got a fellowship in Baltimore, so we went there for a couple of years and we moved there. And so, of course, I'm right off the bat. I'm trying to get in touch with, you know, the local food geeks and, you know, getting to know them. Hey, let's get some lunch. And, you know, I'm talking with them and it's like, hey, so what's, you know, what's good here? What isn't? What do I need to try? Um, and, of course, everyone's kind of giving me the rundown. And then we always get to to, to Chinese, which because I've been traveling to China so much was always of particular interest to me or maybe my fix. And they're like, just don't. They're like, don't even don't even bother it's like the Chinese food in Baltimore. It's like, there are many things here that are wonderful. The Chinese food is not it there. It's just terrible. It's awful. It's like, it's like you can't even get like good Americanized Chinese, you know, you can't even get good Canto American, which is wonderful in its own right. You know, but it's like, it's like, you can't even get that. So don't even think about getting, you know, any of the good traditional stuff. And this was, this was the, uh, the book on it. And, uh, and, and we were all kind of hanging out, you know, we're, I'm in touch with all these people. And one day, like deep in some Chowhound thread, I think someone who may have been a first time poster or had only posted a couple of times was like, Oh yeah, by the way, I've been going to this place. Um, that's, you know, like about half an hour South Baltimore. Um, it's kind of in this weird little strip malls right across the street from Fort Meade. And it's like, they mostly do, you know, like Kung Pao chicken and then, you know, general shows chicken, whatever for, you know, carry out for the, for, for all the military folks across the street. He's like, but they have a second menu. And it's like, it's like real Cantonese in Sichuan. The guy trained in, in, uh, in, in Hong, he's from Hong Kong. He trained in, in Sichuan province. And he's like, and they, there's some really interesting stuff on this menu. And it's like, within seconds, we're all like texting each other. Like, uh, we need to go check this out. Like now. Um, and we did, and it turned out that that's exactly what it was. It was like this little super divey place with like four or five tables. Um, and it was in this really, this really grungy strip mall between a laundromat and some fried chicken joint called cluck you. And it was, and it was and literally like 98% of their business was like, you know, the Canto American stuff that, you know, guys would come across the street from the, from Fort Meade and, and uh and uh you know get carry out you know teriyaki chicken or whatever and take it back across the street and um but he had this whole second menu and the dude was phenomenal i mean he was he was he was uh not a young guy i mean he'd been cooking for a very very long time and and he had this menu and it was a big menu and it was a mix because he was from hong kong but he had spent a lot of time training to cook sichuan food and really high end i mean like the kind of stuff that you know, I always talk about it. it's frustrating to me because like one of the few things that, that you almost never see in the United States is you never see like the real serious, like upscale, elaborate Chinese food that you can get, you know, at some high end restaurants in China. You know, it's like I, I like it all from bottom to top, but it's like that's mm-hmm. just missing here. There just aren't places that do that here. Um, and he could do some of that. And he had and not only that, he was one of those guys who'd taken like the classic dishes and done like his own like really interesting creative spins on just wild, interesting stuff. And it was just phenomenal and people had absolutely no clue so the first thing that happened was so we did this we had like two or three lunches there you know the groups of us you know like and we're just we're just losing our minds like you know every single dish that's coming out is just fantastic some of the best chinese food i've had in the country ever and and so first there was this little internal struggle because there was, you know, a certain group of us that was, most of us were like, we got to get the word out about this. Right. And there were one or two people who were like, no, I like it to be my special little secret. Let's not tell anyone. It's like, no, 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 you don't do that. It's like, well, maybe they want it. Maybe they don't want the extra business. I'm pretty sure they would like the extra business. Because people but, hate money so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, it, it was, it was just, it was just justifications from people who like to be in the know. You know, I'm, I'm all like, it's like, dude, open source dining, get it out there. 
you know, they wanted to be their little secret and they would always stay quiet uh, and they would never have to fight for a table. And it's like, yeah. look, don't, don't these people deserve better than that. Yeah. You know? Your friends, it's Bob like, Ross or something, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, this, this will just be our little secret over here. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so yeah. So we're like, we made a plan and we're like, okay, so you're going to hit the Baltimore paper. You're going to hit the Washington paper. You know, you're going to hit Chowhound. We made, and we all sort of divvied up the responsibilities for how we were going to start working to get the word out. And, uh, and we did. And like within a couple of months, all of a sudden the Washington post comes up and they do this glowing write up of the place. And then the Baltimore sun follows and like all the local, the, 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 the other papers, you know, the smaller papers jump in and the place just absolutely blows up. And, and this guy, this guy Chun, he's just, he's just like glowing and like levitating a foot off the ground because for the first time people are coming in for his food, you know, yeah. his recipes, the stuff that he was proud of and that he had developed and not just, you know, and, and you could just, you could see the guy was just on cloud nine and it was like the greatest, the greatest freaking thing ever. And, and it was so nice because, you know, in addition to, first of all, you know, it, I mean, what it did for those folks was, was, was amazing. And, and, and just to see what it meant to him. Uh, um, but, but beyond that, you know, on a grander scale too, you know, there's so many people who came in and tried this then and, and it was approachable for them because, okay, I can come in and I can get my general chose chicken, but also maybe I'll try this dish, you know, and, mm -hmm. And it's one of those places that that uh, that raised the bar. And then, you know, then some other Chinese restaurants around town, you know, some folks start looking at like, wait, wait, I know how to make that. I mean, I'm not making it, but I know how, you know, so that's how these that's how the ball gets rolling. So that's that was that was like the best example ever of that. Grace Garden. It's it's sadly it's no longer with us. I, they uh, they oh, shut down. No. I mean, no, it's good. for them. I mean, it was it was a good it was a good closing. They retired. Chun and May, they okay. retired. And uh, no, no, it was a good thing. They, 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 they went gangbusters for, you know, 15, 20, however long it's been after that. And, uh, and uh, the place is just always packed and, and, and really, you know, local favorite. And, uh, and, you know, they, they finally decided it was time and they threw in the towel and uh, I got word two days before they closed. And I, I was like, I couldn't make it happen. I was that close. I wanted to hop on a plane. I was like, and I just, there was some crazy stuff going on at home and I could not like, like, Hey, sweetie, I know you have all this really important stuff going on that you need my help with, but I'm going to go get on a plane to go for one dinner at this Chinese restaurant. I'll be back in two days. You know, there was a little, I felt, I felt like maybe that would have been kind of a big ask. So, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, and that's always sort of like, you know, for me and for that crowd, that's always what you're chasing. And that's like the, that's the Olympian ideal. That's what you always hope to find, you know, somebody who's yeah. just doing tremendous stuff. Who's that's just, just been slipping under the radar and, and, uh, and help them get the, help them get the recognition that they deserve. So. Yeah. Cause that's, that's always a nice find. Like someone like I, I lived in China for about six months when I oh, was you did. Where about? there uh, in Shanghai. So oh, okay. I was in, I'm sleeping in the district, but I was, I, I lived at the school that I taught at. And yeah. so part of, part of the deal there was that they, they hooked me up with um, an on-campus apartment. I got to eat meals at the school as part of my payment for being there. So that was authentic. And then coming home, I mean, and obviously like going to actually nice restaurants, I was there too, uh, actually going out to like uh, my students' families' homes for dinner. Yeah. Uh, that was always an experience, getting actually home cooking. And then coming back home to be like, yeah, now I am just stuck with American <laughs> Chinese food everywhere I go. And like, it ruins you. It does. Like, cause I would literally kill for good hot pot right now, but I can't yeah. find it anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> well, the trick always was, it was funny. Cause like, uh, I don't know if you caught, there was a, there was some uh, video that went viral. I think it was a TikTok video or something that went viral maybe about a month, month and a half ago. And it was the guy who was talking about how, 
like his his rule for finding good Chinese restaurants was to go onto Yelp and look for Chinese restaurants that were rated three yes, and right. a half stars. Yeah, like specifically oh. just three and a half stars. Yeah, I remember that. And and his thing was his thing was that um, that it was high enough that you knew that the Chinese customers felt it was good, but it was lower because uh, it was not the, because it was it was traditional and it was mm-hmm. and the people who were dinging it were uh, were non Chinese customers, Western customers who did not had different expectations for what service means in those types of restaurants. So yes. they would it on that basis. And, and it was funny because like, then some friends, I mean, from, from friends of mine are texting me, they're like, that's what you did, right? I'm like, sort of, kind of, basically, yeah. When I moved here, it was the same thing because I kind of figured, I started looking for Chinese restaurants here in Phoenix at the time. Um, and it was never, it's like, no, don't look for the four or five star stuff. It's always going to be like three and a half because those are the places. I'd look for places where... Uh, it was specific complaints, you know, they were getting dinged by, you know, sort of the, the white bread diners for not having, you know, for not having the general chose chicken or whatever. It's like, okay, that's the place I need to check out. Yes. And it was always, you know, not the two, not the five, but like that three and a half range is where you want to look. Yeah. So we've had a pretty good journey over like actual entrees and food here, but if we could sidestep a little bit, because as we all know, everyone here is a big fan of food. We also love our snacks. And I just have to have a question for you. And it is, okay. do you hate flaming hot Cheetos? I do not hate flaming okay. hot Cheetos. This is, see, this is, this is a misconception, <laughs> which, which to be fair, I may have fed slightly. <laughs> I am not, I am not anti FHC. Uh, uh, I had issues with the hegemony of flaming hot oh. Cheetos and the ubiquity of flaming hot Cheetos and the unavoidableness of flaming hot Cheetos. There was so as 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 dining critic for the Arizona Republic, um, I you know I, I had a good deal of latitude for most of the years I was there to cover things that um, I thought were important and were important to me and I thought were worthy of coverage. Um, but you know, you're still working for somebody else and there are times that they want you to cover something that they know is going to have significant readership. And you know what? We, we need eyeballs and we need readers and you're going to do this one, whether you like it or not. And one of the things they had me do every single year, um, was I would go day one, right when it opened and I would go through the Arizona state fair and try like 30 things at the Arizona state fair. And I just decided that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to go all in, you know, and it's going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, first of all, I'm not going to try to like find stuff that's actually good because come on. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so, so I said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to look for the most bizarre, crazy, insane things I can like, we're going to, we're going to just embrace this. I'm going to look for the craziest stuff I can find. And there was, and, you know, there are always trends, you know, there, there are trends in state fair food, you know, as, yeah, just as there are in the larger restaurant industry, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, and there was one year that it was just it was flaming hot Cheetos it was just I don't know which year it was. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, the state fair discovered flaming hot Cheetos. And every single place had something flaming hot Cheetos and all the new stuff was flaming hot Cheetos. And I'm supposed to try all the new stuff. So it was just like one after another, after another, after, and like most things it's like, okay, once it's kind of cool and funny and great. By the time you get to flaming hot Cheetos dish number 20, it's starting <laughs> to get a little old. It's like, can we do something other than flaming hot Cheetos, please? Mm-hmm. So, so I would say that I was perhaps uh, rebelling against the, uh, uh, the, the ubiquity of, of flaming hot Cheetos more than a, 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 a specific, uh, criticism of flaming hot Cheetos themselves. To clarify, <laughs> that, that's fair. I mean, I think we've all had those those years at state fairs. I know, like, I me and friends have tried to see 
who could have the most food on a stick in a given day. Yeah. And while one person may legitimately win, one would argue that all of us lost in round two uh, <laughs> of dealing with all that stick food. There, there is no winning at the state fair. No, no. you win. You <laughs> either way. Well, I mean, for a while there, it was like there was flaming hot drinks. There's flaming hot condoms. Uh, I mean, everything they could get it into was there, and so. <laughs> I would have said, I didn't hear that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I, I, I feel like your explanation was sufficient, so we yes. don't consider it a backslide. Well, oh, I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be an interview, I think, with you if we didn't absolutely drill down certain aspects of Monkey Island. You've probably answered a million times, but we may have some interesting takes on some things that All we right. haven't heard of because we tried to work at it. So All right. I'll do I my best. First, and fo- first and foremost, you know, when we're talking about return to Monkey Island, um, you know, I, I have I reached out once to, to, to Ron Gilbert to actually just say, you know, I appreciate your work and everything and didn't say anything back. So. I, you know, all I really wanted was I wanted to, you know, I wanted to touch the mountain, if you know what I mean. So I, I sent him yeah. another email, I think with a picture attached or something with my daughter playing Monkey Island. And I said, my daughter loves it too. And this is how I helped, you know, teach her how to read. And uh, he sent me an email back going, you know, that's why I did the whole, you know, Pajama Sam series. And so yeah. I was just like thrilled to get a response back from him because I know he's amazingly private and even more so ever since the, you know, yeah. art, art, art kind of controversy. But, um, we know you didn't really get a chance to work with him until, you know, return to Monkey Island because not at all, no, yeah. not not so, not in the least, not even a tiny bit. Yeah, can you tell us time. a little bit about that? I mean, what's what's he? You know, how was well, that, I, how was well, that for you? He's he, well, for starters, he's just a, I mean, he's just a tremendously cool dude. Um, and and it was funny because you know my first, of course, you know he was already gone by the time I came aboard, um, for Curse, and and uh, and that was all fine and good, um. But where where all of a sudden it hit me was when we did the uh, when we did Tales when we did the remakes, uh, the special editions like right around 2010, um, because Telltale asked me to come out and hang out and do some promotional stuff at PAX. It's like oh great this will be fun, and uh, then somebody mentions hey Ron's going to be there too, and I'm like oh crap because now because <laughs> because what's going through my head at this point is you know I like like you all I was a huge huge fan of the series um before before i had anything to do with it and and i'm trying to you know i'm trying to put myself in his shoes you know here i've i've developed this character in this story and and then i go off and all of a sudden they hire some yahoo to to voice this the main character of my story that's you know near and dear to me and i'm just going in my head i'm thinking i hope to god he likes what i did with this and it's like because i and i was i mean seriously i was just i was just terrified um uh and i i probably shouldn't have been but still you know it's like what do you, what do, you do um but you know he was just he was just tremendously gracious and of course i'm not going to ask him what you thought and we never kind of you know the subject never came up nor should it have and it was just like you know but he was you know he's just a super cool dude and we got to hang out a bit and we got to get dinner one night with the whole crew and uh and it was just really it was really really nice to to meet him um and uh and uh and then that was you know that was kind of it uh until until return came up and and that was just the the funniest thing because you know, I, I happened to be in Seattle when he emailed me out of the blue, you know, and he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I was just wondering how you're doing. I'm thinking Ron Gilbert is not just wondering how I'm doing. You know, there's, there's <laughs> something going on. And not, not to rehash the whole story that I've done so many times, but, you know, but, but, it, but it was, you know, he's just, he's been so, he's such a, he's such a gracious guy, you know, and, 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 and I love that, um, he, you know, he, 
I feel like there's a right balance. You know, he's he is so he is definitely concerned about the fans and he wants them to enjoy it and he wants to give them something that is going to be meaningful to them. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 clear from working with him um, that that is something that is absolutely on his mind and is important to him. Um, but at the same time, um, I think he tries to strike that balance where at the same time, it's got to be, he's got to be doing something for him too. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't just be, you know, you, 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 like I said, the, the balance has got to be there. It can't just be for the fans. It can't just be for him. You know, it's about, it's about finding that, it's about finding that medium. And I think that's, uh, you know, I feel like that's how, that's how he's approached it. And, uh, and I, I, you know, just, I've just always, in, in the time that we've had to work together, I've just known to be very gracious about, you know, about, about sharing credit and about, uh, and about, you know, being humble. Um, you know, he, he, you know, for, for better or worse, you know, I, I don't think he would hesitate to say, you know, he, he certainly agonizes over his decisions like anybody else. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're his decisions and he's gonna, he's gonna make that call and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, see how it goes, you know? So, but no, he's, he, he's, a, he's a good dude. He's a really good dude. And I really enjoyed getting to know him. Did, was there like anything that, he either told you, this is my thinking, there's always going to be something that's left out or something. Like, was there anything like additional, say, that you recorded for, like, just as insight, like into Monkey Island 1 or 2 that, like, didn't get put into the game or, like, now or, I or did, even for Return to Monkey Island? I mean, I, I did say anything goes here, but this is the one realm where I do feel that it's not that it's not that I couldn't say anything, but I feel like that those things are not mine to share. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. There, yeah. there, there, are, there, are, there are certainly some things that, you know, that, that people don't know about things that didn't make it into the games. There are always, you know, that's how it works. Um, but, but, but that's not my story to tell, you know, if, if here, if here, Dave want to do that someday, that's, that's totally up to them. We definitely don't want to put you on the spot, but here's, no, here's okay. I mean, you, I'll, I'll just say no. <laughs> so don't worry. About <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Here's, I'm just saying, here's, here's so, what I'll frame worry. though. I'll, I'll frame this a little differently because okay. I'll put uh, Quentin Tarantino as an example, okay? Okay. So, so Tarantino, when he directs people, he'll tell his actors, you know, I, I want you to read what's on the page, but I don't want you to reinvent what's on the page, right? And right. so he, he kind of gets to that, that area where if the actor is getting too far away in the interpretation level, he'll rein them back in. Right. Was Is Ron Gilbert kind of like that with regards to, you know, what you've worked on or – did you have any chance to ad lib or bring other things? Well, in? so here's one thing. First of all, I think it would be it would be it would be dangerous to draw any conclusions about how Ron Gilbert works from my work with him on Monkey Island because this yeah. is a very unusual situation. Um, you know, the fact that I'm coming in having you know done even though it's his character, you know, having done it for so many iterations already. Um, it's it is it is this is so not normal. So yeah. so I could not tell you what working with Ron Gilbert under normal circumstances is like, um, you know, but to, but, but to give you a general sense, um, I mean, I tend to be, I tend to be a voice actor who craves direction, which is a little, you know, it's like, a, you, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll go off and do something, but it's like, you know, don't be afraid to tell me what you want and what you want to get out of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I tell people it's, it's, you know, it's sort of the, it's sort of the anti-Hollywood cause you know, an anti-Hollywood, every single take is perfect, you know, and, and, and we're going to do it 20 times why we're going to do 20 takes. If it was perfect, who knows, but the, every take is perfect. That's how it is. It's Hollywood. Right. Um, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, dude, if it sucks, just tell me it sucks. You're not going to hurt my feelings. It's fine. I'll get it right. I'd rather do that and, you know, figure it out than, than, than go through this awkward dance of it. It's perfect. Do it again. 
Um, so, uh, um, but in this case, you know, I, they just kind of let me run with it because it's it's so ingrained, it's so second nature at this point. Um, you know, uh, you know, the actual, you know, either Ron for all the sessions, either Ron or Dave would be sitting in, um, but they would really just be there for context. Like, Oh wait, what's this line? What is this? What is he responding? Who's he responding to here? You know, when there were those sorts of questions that would pop up. Um, but you know, the, the, the actual voice director is Chris Brown, um, on mm -hmm. the game. So, you know, she's the one who I would be working with, you know, back and forth, but, um, uh, you know, she's also, you know, another hardcore Monkey Island fan and, 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 you know, old, old time LucasArts. Uh, person going back going back to the to the to the early days um and uh and she's wonderful as well but um but it's 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 different you know it, it, so so i don't know that i could say i mean they pretty much just turned me on and let me go and occasionally you know chris would just nudge a little bit if there was something i was missing or you know it could do a little bit of this with that but um but for the most part they just let me roll um just because i mean this one like i said guy is just second nature at this point so so, so I look like forward to finding out what it's like working with them on some sort of a, a normal basis as opposed to something like this. But uh, hopefully that opportunity will pre present itself at some point. So there wasn't like any point or anything where like there was like a specific inflection or something like that where they were like, you're totally off base here, you know. No, and you know what, Chris Brown is the kind of director where she wouldn't say that. She wouldn't say it like that anyway, you know. I mean, she, she'll, 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 she will make her point known in a very... Um, in a very smooth way that gets what she wants out of you without making you feel like you just screwed up because that's one of the, that's <laughs> one of the wonderful things about her. Um, but, um, but no, more, more just little things about interpretation or occasionally if there's, you know, sometimes you just might misread a line, you know, you mm -hmm. you read it one way. It's like, Oh no, I think he's saying this instead. Like, Oh, oh right. I got it. Okay. You know, you miss the context or misread it or something like that. But, um, but, but I'd say this, these sessions were probably the most, <laughs> I was going to say the most directionless sessions I've had. That doesn't quite, that's not quite what I mean to say, but you understand what I'm trying to say here. It's not, it, was, it really was just like, just going and let it, let it roll. And, and it's funny too, because that, like I say, I, I like the direction. So that kind of freaks me out a little bit, but it's like, okay, well, I guess they like it. So if they're not saying anything, then I guess they're okay with it. So, so it seems to have turned out. Did you record a lot of them with like the other voice actors or Never. were you like alone? Never. Never. I don't think so the only, it through all the Monkey Island games, the, I believe the only time I have ever been in the booth with another actor was the, was the song for Curse of Monkey Island pirate. I was mm, meant okay. to, that's it. I mean, that's, and that's generally how it works. I mean, it's, it's different than, you know, if you're doing a film or a TV show or whatever, I mean, you know, TV show, they want that energy, that back and forth. But you know, the thing that I, that I try to remind people is you got to remember when you're looking at a script for an interactive game, it's not sequential, you know, I mean, they do yeah. whatever they, because of all the branching dialogue trees and everything, you know, they do what they can to try to make a coherent script out of it as much as they can, but it's just, it's just not designed that way. And, and yeah. to try to bring people together would just be a logistical nightmare and tremendously expensive um, for what is already an expensive part of the game. So yeah. So no, you're, like you're, intimate adult scenes and stuff. You guys just recorded them separately. And they just piece it together. Yep, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. You just got to imagine. It sounded it. good. It sounded great. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like, it's like you're right in the room I mean, with them. That's, that's, you know, if that's something you do, that's one of the skills you have to have, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be able to hear that other person in, in your head. Um, you know, I can't speak to, I, I did all the, my, my sessions were pretty much, I think, completely done or near completely done before they started on the rest of the characters for return. So mm -hmm. I don't know if the other actors like, you know, got to hear my scenes, you know, to at least have some sort of reference they could have, I don't know. Um, but for me, nobody else was recorded yet. So it's just get in there and do it. Wow. Yeah. I imagine yeah. too. I mean, Dom, you've probably got like a six inch, 
you know, amount of things that you have to read through, right? In terms of just script, I imagine it's. Oh, the scripts are huge. Yeah, you got to bang them out. For these games, yeah, for games like these, they're tremendous. I mean, I don't remember what Ron said the line count was for a return, but was it like sixteen thousand lines or something like that? Maybe. I mean, adventure games like this, these are they are they're they're huge. I still have somewhere. This is killing me because it's. I know it's in this house somewhere. I have a script from Escape, right? Ooh. I have a hard copy script from Escape in a binder. It, it's this thick, like literally <laughs> this thick for Escape from Monkey Island. Um, it's in this house somewhere, and I can't find it, and that really creeps me out but in any case yes the scripts are are, are huge mm-hmm. i saw once one of their working scripts for um oh what was it the i forgot the name of it now the uh the uh, uh the big star wars mmo in the early aughts that mm-hmm. everybody was in it was like every single voice actor under the sun was in that game are you talking so, about galaxies or uh maybe or when when they switched to knights of the old republic because galaxies was like the original one i remember playing for a while I think it was. I think it was Knights of the Old Republic. I think it was when they went to Knights okay. of the Old Republic because okay. the voice support for Knights was for for Coder was just like, yeah. And I saw like one of his working scripts for that, and it wasn't even a complete one. And that one was like, I mean, you, I can't even get it in a frame. I mean, it was like it was like one of those <laughs> one of those mon- mondo binders that's like you know like this mm-hmm. thick on the, yeah. It was it, it's insane. It's it's so much dialogue, so which is cool. So, so like, I mean, oh yeah. So I, I was just thinking like with like you said like the amount of dialogue and you would touched a little bit on uh the direction for this game did you feel any like additional pressure for like this entry like revisiting the series and having to deliver gilbert's vision for the game not really i and i know that sounds weird uh, but like i say it, i think it's just because uh, I, I mean for curse yes for curse i was freaked out when 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 curse was going into release like the week leading up to curse i was i was i was like going nuts because, you know, that's the first one. And it's like, oh, my God, is everyone going to hate me? You know, because everyone has their idea of this game. But, but I mean, at this point now, you know, Curse, Escape, uh, Tales, you know, it's like it's, 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 been, it's been enough at this point and it's been long enough that, um, no, I'm not, I'm not worried about it anymore. It's, like, it's just second nature. I know it's, you know, I mean, I, I want to make sure I get it right. And I want to make sure, I mean, there's still, there are always things, you know, there are things, I know there are things in this. And this one, I go back and I play and I think, ah, I wish I'd done it a little differently. You know, that's always going to happen. But, um, but in general, it's, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an unusual situation. No, not so much. I mean, and, and, and a lot of, but a lot of that is to, is to Ron's credit is that, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't feel weird or uncomfortable or uptight about any of that stuff because he's not, you know, he's just a chill, good dude. And he's just excited about making the game and, you know, and, 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 and I, and I, and I, I feel like, I mean, he, it felt like he was excited to work with me too, which just makes me feel great. You know, it's like, because, because, you know, how exciting is that? You know, and when it's, you know, not just that I finally get to work with him, but it seems like he genuinely is excited to work with me too. And I, you know, I liked it. So <laughs> on the topic of feedback, because we had a chance to connect with Al Lowe of Leisure Suit Larry fame early this yeah. year. Uh, we also talked to Noah Falstein just a few months ago mm-hmm. and the, the, topic of feedback has come up a couple times now not necessarily between maybe director and actor but from what fans used to do back in the day versus what they do now and you and i have fought through some of that twitter fun (laughs) quite a bit but i i wanted to ask you about this to to see if it's changed since the game has come out because you know the art direction was controversial with with the Right. right people i should say but yeah i guess how do you feel about the current state of social media and the difference that it plays in the feedback cycle today. You know, it's weird. It's funny because the, the, for, for a lot of the past decade, I had been thinking to myself 
for a long time, you know, if, if, if Monkey Island ever comes around again, like, what is it even going to be like now? You know, because mm. I've been out of voiceover for so long. You know, everything has changed so much. It's like, what, how, what's the reaction with social media? I've never, I've never, we've never done a Monkey Island game in the social media era. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I suppose, I suppose it was exactly what, what you might expect, you know? Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of glee. And, and of course there's, there's always going to be the crowd that's just not into it. And, and, and it's funny. Cause like, I, I don't, I am not someone that gets bent out of shape about criticism. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I like, I've had, we've had some, I've had some, what I, I've had some, what I consider really enjoyable discussions with people who did not like the game at all, you know? Um, um, but, but I like to get in there and talk about it. Cause that's interesting to me. And I like to hear what they did and didn't like. I like to hear those perspectives. I um, mean, I've had some some really interesting conversations. I seek those out. Um, but you know, it, it's with anything else on the internet. You know, it's, there's there's that line between you know what's constructive and what's just you know destructive noise. Um, and and I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't bother me so much as I just feel like you guys, you're shooting yourselves in the foot. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing. It's like. Like, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm going to step away from the keyboard. It's not going to ruin my day. I'm going to go hang out with my family and go to a nice restaurant and whatever. It's like, I'm not going to take it any further than the keyboard. It doesn't bother me. But, 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 uh, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. Uh, and, and, and I just feel like, you know, there's, there's a difference between, between, you know, being const- like, I, I mean, I was a dining critic for five years. Right. You know, I mean, that was that was my job. Clearly, I am pro criticism. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't you know, that's and, and I and I've always said, you know, people would criticize my reviews sometimes. It's like, hey, you know, if I can ditch it, I, I can take it. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but the thing that was always really, really important to me whenever I wrote a review was it was never no matter how bad it is, you don't just trash a place. You know, it's you got to be thoughtful. And you got to be constructive. And that doesn't mean that you can't say, look, this place has a lot of problems and it's really not working. But, 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 you know, it's a difference between wanting it to work. You know, every, like when I used to go into a restaurant, every single meal, I wanted to be fantastic. I was never going and saying, oh, I can't wait to take this place apart. You know what I mean? (laughs) Every single time it was, it was, please be awesome. I wanted it to be awesome every single time. And if it wasn't, then I wanted to say, you know, it, it didn't get there. Here's how it could. I wish it had. You know what I mean? That's, that's how I always tried to approach it. Um, and I think that's a sort of, you know, when people talk about feedback, I feel like within certain circles, there's this feeling now within the gaming community that, you know, I feel like the whole Sonic situation was like, in some ways that was, everyone Everyone holds that up as like, oh, see, this was great. It worked out fantastically. And while it may have in that specific situation, I can't help but feel like that is maybe one of the worst things to ever happen in terms of fan and, mm-hmm. and creator interactions on the internet. Because what that did is that gave everyone permission to think to themselves, if I am obnoxious enough and if I make enough noise and if I get into enough places and say it enough times, they will change it. And that is like the last place you want to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, we always tend to decry 
uh, when we talk about art by boardroom, you know, when, when, you know, some, some filmmakers, you know, the, the, the suits are stepping in and telling them what they, you know, can and can't do. And it's all focus grouped and all that kind of thing. Um, I feel like, you know, when people talk about, oh, like, well, well, you know, there'll be a fan revolt. We'll tell them how it should be. It's like, you're doing the same thing. It's, it's, you know, it's no different. I'm not sure that, that consensus by, 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 by fan form is any better than consensus by, by, by boardroom. You know, at some point you gotta, if you are a fan of these people, you gotta trust and let them create, you know, you gotta, you gotta give them some space to do their thing. And they won't always make you happy. You know, I mean, you look at any filmmaker, you know, over the years, you know, there are films that you love and films you're like, eh, maybe that one wasn't their best work, but you got to give them that leeway or you will never get those gems if they don't have the space to feel like they can do their thing without getting totally shot down. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll see where it goes. You know, you got the backlash, and then you got the backlash to the backlash and everybody gets angry <laughs> with each other. And, you know, this is this is the way of the Internet. Um, you know, I, 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 there's part of me that wants to feel like the pendulum has swung far enough to the, yes, we should scream and moan enough that maybe now it'll start to swing back the other way. Um, yeah. but more than anything else, it's just, you know, just be thoughtful, be constructive, say your piece and move on. And anything more than that is you're, you're not helping yourself. I mean, forget the people who are making this stuff. You're not helping yourself in the yeah. long run. I, I'll put it, it this way. How many times uh, it, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Mark. Uh, I was going to say for me. I, I was willing to give it a shot. I didn't come into it with any judgments. All I came into it was the enthusiasm I've always had for the series. Yeah. And, and if you don't when, like it, that's fine. Well, but as soon as I heard the theme, the Monkey Island yeah. theme, I, I I became a puddle. I, I was struggling yeah. <laughs> to like keep things in. It was it was no, so, I know. I know. I it was too. so powerful. It was so powerful just to hear it again. And Going I think that's what people church again after many years. <laughs> yeah. People, I think that's what people need to really critically understand is that you do not always get a chance to revisit worlds that you truly love and to be yeah. able to get back into it. That was, that was the most important thing to me was, yeah. was seeing all that vision played out. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, when I played it the first time, I felt it was like, I felt the same way. It's like, there's just, you know, there's some question, you know, everyone's, everyone's always worried, you know, anyone on a dev team like that, they're concerned. Are they going to like it? Are they not going to like it? Whatever. And my position as someone who came in late, and I played a not finished build, but it was playable all the way through. And like, I came back and I was like, you guys, it's like, there's, this is, there's no way, there's no way they can't like this. I'm like, there will be, there will always be those people. And there will always be some things that, you know, but, but, but broadly speaking, you know, across the board, it's like, I just, I, I, I mean, I'm sure people, there will be those people, but I cannot imagine how people won't love this. Um, this you know, the, the oh. question I had about like thinking about if you played through it all the way, Oh yeah, and you played through all of these games, and I'm sure you've heard this asked this question before. But like, you know, I, I've watched Seinfeld, and there's an episode where like George won't listen to a book on tape because yes. it sounds like his own voice. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, for you, does that ever happen? As you're playing through, like, man, I've listened to myself. Really? No. Okay, I was wondering. No, about, I can't no, stand my no, own it's, voice. So. It's, it's never. Well, I mean, I think again, I've been doing this since I was a little kid. So I, you know, it's it was never. It was just it was something I always did. If anything, if anything, it's the opposite. If anything. I, I tend to listen a lot because I hear all those tiny little things that I want to do a little bit better next time. You know, it's not like, not like taking notes or anything, but you know, those little inflections, those little tweaks, those little things. It's like, I like to, I like to hear them over and over again because, because I get obsessed with that way. It's the same with the writing, you know, when you do like 30 different drafts and do a little tweak every single time, it's the same thing with the voiceover. It's like, I, I, key, I, I go back and I listen to things over and over again because I want to think what worked and what didn't and, how can I use have, that going forward? 
have you ever consciously or unconsciously like added something from monkey island like like because it crossed over in like a a food review where you were like it appears to be a meat or meat-like substance or something oh, probably. like that. It wouldn't surprise me. Not intentionally. I don't think I, I, I think I, I think I managed to stay clear of overt Monkey Island references, but it wouldn't. I mean, enough of those have worked their way into my vernacular that it's probably. I'm sure you can probably find one or two across the uh, across the dining critic milieu. It's in there somewhere. This, this vicious flaw had no rat hairs in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will have someone with serve me vicious flaw. No one does vicious flaw anymore. I'll eat vicious flaw. Bring it on, man. Yeah. Well, What's funny too, like every you know, like the 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 current game, you know, it's like you know, tentacles and daisy sauce. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that we can make that work. You know, <laughs> it might Some be good if it's cooked properly. It might work. Morals. I feel like that's. I feel like you know, in the right hands, we can make that work. You know. I was just going to ask you since there are some things that actors bring to the role that sometimes isn't there in the beginning. Yeah. Was the casual vandalism and petty theft something you brought to the to the the game or was that always was that always somebody else's vision we asked no i know i never i mean the character is not at all of my design i just read it you know i mean the 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 character it's all and in fact i think you asked earlier and i think i i think i maybe didn't answer that question too you know you talk about ad-libbing in the script ad-libbing doesn't maybe they do with other people i don't know but no i with interactive it's it's you gotta you gotta stick to the script i was certainly given the impression early on with all those lucas arts games that like look if we want to change a line, even in a small way, it's a whole thing. I got to send in this thing. We change this line. It goes through all these layers and all these teams, and it's a tremendous pain in the butt. Please just stick to the script unless we absolutely have to change something. So, uh, so, 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 yeah. Uh, no, but no, that's that. I mean, I, my, I, I have merely interpreted the character. I have never, <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never gotten in there and uh, written anything. I might ask for a writing credit if I did. Yeah. I just didn't know if you ever walked into like a department store and just, mm-hmm. you know, took a couple business cards, maybe a few too many or, you know, monocles. Or <laughs> oh, 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 in real life. No, no, <laughs> no, there are, there are a lot of ways that, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of me and Guybrush, but, uh, you know, there are, there, we, we have our, have you stolen? We've, we've, established, we've established already that I'm a little bit of an annoying rule follower. So <laughs> that's, uh, but that's okay. Cause I get to work, I get to work out those urges through Guybrush, you know, I get to, yeah. to live vicariously. I do my thieving virtual. I was going to ask you, is his voice at all different than yours? Or you're just like, you're just straight voice. Or is there anything you do differently with his voice uh, versus your I own? Mean, it's like, I'm listening to you and it's like just triggering me every five seconds going. Yeah. This is like what I'm familiar with. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, Guybrush is Guybrush is animated me, you know, just kind of tweaked and turned up a little bit in specific spots. I mean, he's, he's pretty close you know, the way I like the way I'm talking now is not, I, I mean, when I get excited, if I'm talking to friends, yeah, but you know, every, everyday speech is maybe a little more, you know, a little more mellow, but, but no, he's, I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's how I decided to play it. That, that was the whole, that was the whole thing. You know, I got the audition. I couldn't decide what to do with it. And I thought, well, I've been hearing him like me in my head for the past, you know, however many years, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll sound good to somebody else too. You know, let's just give it a shot. So I, I decided to just go ahead and do it. It seemed like it would work. It did. It worked out fine. Yeah. I got lucky. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, what we were looking to do, and I, I appreciate you joining us tonight, is to really help folks not just recognize a voice and, and really to understand more about where you've come from and your journey throughout sure. entertainment and, and quite a few other things. So we really do appreciate you sharing that with us. It's seriously, it is a privilege. And I can't thank you enough for, for joining us. So I'm happy to. Yeah, it's been fantastic. But we always like to give our guests the floor at the end of our conversations, Dom, oh. and, and you've, you've survived a digital dissection at this point. I think we can, we can say that. So, but yeah, how can folks find you? What have you got going on in your life? Uh, well, right now, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'd kind of like to, 
I kind of like to get back into the voiceover again. You know, I'm not I'm not doing any professional food writing right now. Um, I may or may not in the future, but uh, you know, I I I missed it, man. You know, I really missed it, and 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 I felt that way for a long time, and uh, and 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 certainly getting back in the booth after so many years has uh, <laughs> has driven home just how much I do miss it. Um, so, so I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to kind of get back out there again. You know, I'm, I'm putting together a demo again. I'm kind of starting from scratch in some ways. Um, you know, my, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a leg up from scratch. I don't mean to, you know, to, to, to put myself in the same place as somebody who's trying to break in for the first time, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, um, yeah, I'd like to do it again. I mean, I'm, I'm on all the, I'm on all the social media places for as long as all those social media places last anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we'll see. I'm not hard to find. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping to get together a demo and, uh, you know, figure out, uh, you know, get an actual agent again. It's been a long time and, uh, and hopefully start doing some other work, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see. Very cool. Well, Hey, we wish you the best on that. If there's anything we can do to help boost your platform, we're more than happy to do so. And uh, seriously, yeah. Tom, it's been, it's if, been fantastic. Seriously. If you'd like us to update your headshots, we will not get uncomfortably close to your face. To do <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like to, if it's too bad in some ways that my face has gone around so much recently, because I kind of would like to leave people with the impression that, yeah, that's, that's, that's still me. That's, that's 45 year old me still, uh, still looking all windblown and, uh, David Copperfield dish, you know, <laughs> but no, this is cool. Thanks Wells. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm Dominic Armato, and until next time, keep on dissecting.